Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour. I want to tell you about a new way to get the news each morning. Up First is the morning news podcast from NPR. Give us 10 minutes or so and you get a sense of the stories and big ideas of the day. The stuff you really need to know and why it matters. Start your day with Up First weekday mornings by 6 o'clock Eastern Time on the NPR One app and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Pop Culture Happy Hour, NPR's roundtable podcast about what we are watching, reading, and listening to. I'm Linda Holmes. I'm the editor of NPR's pop culture and entertainment blog, Monkey See. This week, it's our annual summer movie preview from blockbusters to dark horses. We'll predict hits and misses and get you ready for the next few months. And as always, we'll close the show with what's making us happy this week. Before we get started here in Historic Studio 44, let's go around the table. I'm Stephen Thompson with NPR Music. I'm Glenn Weldon. I write for the NPR website. And with us this week in our fourth chair, oh, we are always thrilled to welcome All Things Considered host, Audie Cornish. Hi, Audie. Hello, hello. It's been a while. It has. It has. They uh, sprung me. I know, right? (laughs) I'm free for the summer. We're getting to borrow Audie. Well, every year around this time, we turn our thoughts to the summer movie season, and we want to get right into it. What we're going to do first is talk about the movies this summer that we are looking forward to the most. Audie Cornish, you're our guest, so why don't you go first? What are you looking forward to? Um, In terms of just like the biggest, baddest thing that you get the tub of popcorn and you go, I think Wonder Woman Mm -hmm. is on the list for me. I'm sure you guys will talk about that more. Um, mostly because I am one of those people who did watch Superman v. Batman. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, this is good when she's here. Yes. And all the rest of the time, I was like, when is this done? Mm-hmm. It just seemed like she was the only one, the actress was the only one who knew that it was supposed to be fun. And yeah. that it was kind of you know, cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what she was portraying. And yeah. so, and when I've seen the trailer, there's been mostly women in the trailer, which I like. And I'm hoping, my fervent wish is that this movie kind of blows out of the water the idea that no yeah okay (laughs) the idea that women can't carry a film like this yeah we don't have a category that says the the movie i am most worried about uh this is this is the one i'm most worried about (laughs) uh because it's exactly as you said audie if this is a smash hit they're gonna say it's a superhero movie of course it was a smash hit and if it fails they're gonna say patty jenkins or gal gadot or just the fact that it's a female lead. Um, or, or, or women in general. Or women in general. Uh, Patty Jenkins did Monster. She wrote and directed Monster back in the day, and then she got into television because she couldn't make another movie until this. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of discussion about her hair and whether or not she should have armpit hair and all this kind of ridiculous nonsense around it because it's going to get picked apart in a big old way. You will know whether this film is on the right track almost as soon as the opening credits start because yeah. it's how they depict Paradise Island. Uh, her, her her origin. If they call it Paradise Island, we're on the wrong track. If they call it Themyscira or Themyscira, then we're on the right track. Because historically, not in the comics, the comics have, have depicted the island all kinds of different ways, but in uh, animated films and certainly on television, Paradise Island has been depicted as sort of this Maxfield Parish, you know, statuesque women in flowing gowns, feeding each other grapes as this sort of, and it should be more Xena Warrior Princess. I was just going to say, you uh, want more Xena. You want more Xena, less Maxfield, and right. and it's from the trailer, it seems like they're going that direction. All right, cool. Uh, so, yes, uh, I am worried. Worried and looking forward at worried the same time. Yeah, are in this case... Uh, I, 
can I, coexist. I want it to win. Yes. All right. That's good. Uh, you got another one, Ani? Oh, and then the other is uh, a one-two punch, which is the film, I think it's called Girls Trip, which is going to have Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett, <laughs> oh, yeah. and also Rough Night, which has Scarlett Johansson, Kate McKinnon, Zoe Kravitz. And I think that both of these movies are Girls Night Out Gone Wrong mm-hmm. movies in the vein of Bridesmaids, sure. kind of like Girls Trip bachelorette night type things and both look funny in their own way. I think it's sort of amusing that they're on kind of like brown aimed kind of moviegoers <laughs> and white aimed yeah. moviegoers like because they probably all these people could be in the same movie mm-hmm. but I'm eager to see Scarlett Johansson try and do comedic I think we've seen it in SNL but sometimes in movies I don't really see her being funny so to speak and this yeah. is really calling for that and with the other one like Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett, they've been like a pairing that a lot of people are a fan of going way back. And it just looks silly. It's made by the people who produce Best Man and like Best Man Holiday. And every once in a while, I make my husband watch those movies. And he's always like, this is ridiculous. And then the halfway through, he's like giggling, like kind of into it. So those just seem like kind of fun not superhero moments (laughs) to enjoy at the movie theater. Yeah, I'm going to predict that girls' uh, trip is going to make wildly more money than the other one. And Uh, will be written about as though, like, in a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully hopefully not. I honestly feel like every time this happens with one of these movies, you get a little closer to people not doing that. Yeah. We shall see. All right, Stephen Thompson, what are you looking forward to? The first one I have down here, I, I, I wrote down, I'm torn on Wonder Woman. I have that mm-hmm. same. I, I feel that Mike Katzif uh, coined the phrase anticipointment mm. on, on, our, on our show. <laughs> I, I feel a little anticipointment about that one. But Rough Night was actually one of the, the main ones that I had down uh, that cast in particular, looks really, really strong. I I agree with you, Adi. I think Scarlett Johansson doing comedy. You've got Kate McKinnon, who's so funny in Ghostbusters. Alana Glazer from Broad City. This is co-written and directed by uh, Lucia Agnello, who has written and directed for Broad City. And it's clearly going for that sensibility. The, The trailers, I would say, are uneven, but it is hard R. I would would say even the trailers are kind of hard R. And I have long been a proponent that summer movies need to have more comedies. Mm -hmm. And kind of like where you can push that is in a little bit of a raunchier direction. You know, I always think of there's something about Mary as why that didn't sort of set a template for like everybody trying to do like big, broad, silly comedies. Kind of the blow them up action blockbuster of comedy is something I would like to see. Uh, The other movie I picked is very 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 similar vein it's called a ghost story Mm. it's not in a very similar vein at all (laughs) it is uh, directed by david lowry who we talked about when he directed pete's dragon yep um it is uh, <laughs> uh it is uh, it's it's getting kind of it's getting good reviews in festivals it's coming out July 7th I don't think it's going to open wide on July 7th it is uh, stars Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara as a couple that is parted by Affleck's death he spends the movie quietly observing the interior of their house depicted in a white sheet with eye holes cut sounds out. about right <laughs> these are two actors who have spent some time in the theaters I feel like recently scowling yeah <laughs> I'm looking in forward one 
power scowl. I'm looking film. forward to seeing him in a movie uh, covered completely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, Variety raves that it's intermittently effective and, <laughs> and almost tedious. Um, but it also looks like it has the potential to be very, very powerful. The more I read about it, the more some of the choices it seems to be making seem seem very striking and different and not like a movie I've seen before. By July 7th, when this thing starts rolling out, I'm very, very ready for things to stop blowing up. Um, so that is, uh, that, that's another one, a ghost story. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult at this point to open successfully something with Casey Affleck in it. Yeah. Just because there has been so much controversy around him and not only past allegations about past behavior, but also kind of the current way he talks about it. Absolutely. And Put a sheet over the guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're going to have a tough time opening that. I'll be interesting. Uh, I'll be interested to see uh, how it goes. All right, Glenn Weldon, what are you looking forward to? Well, the first one was Wonder Woman, uh, however much it's, it worries me. But the second one is Baby Driver. Now, yeah. I am not oh, a, a default action movie guy. Yeah. I'm at best ambivalent about them. Heist film, same way. I'm certainly, I have antipathy toward the just one more job and I'm done genre, which this mm-hmm. falls into. And it stars a, a, a guy I don't have any feelings for, Ansel Elgort. But why? I've, I've skipped all the Fast and Furious movies. I've skipped all the Transformers movies. This is just loud and, and car crashy, right? Yeah, but you like John Wick. I did like John Wick. Here is why I'm looking forward to this. I believe in Edgar Wright. He's the director. He has taken genres that I don't care about and turned them into things that I do. With the television sitcom, Spaced, which he did in, in the UK. Horror films, Shaun of the Dead, buddy cop movies, which I avoid, like The Plague, uh, Hot Fuzz. And now I would have seen Scott Pilgrim anyway, and I would have seen uh, World's End anyway because it's video games and science Mm -hmm. fiction. But he brings a brightness, an energy, a humor, a style that is slammed a lot as just pastiche, as just taking other genre elements and infusing them. But I think he's got a certain originality here, and I like the fact that it's a new story. It's not just taking something from someplace else, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's basically Baby Driver is... He's a driver, right? He is a, uh, a kid <laughs> uh, who drives getaway cars for Kevin uh-huh. Spacey. Okay. Uh, and he's got uh, tinnitus, so he needs to uh, listen to music all the time. Uh, oh, my gosh. Which is why, which is how they're going to get a great soundtrack into this yeah. thing. And it's going to be wall-to-wall music, I bet. And he falls in love and wants to get out of the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it looks fun. And I think he's best known for The Fault in Our Stars. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is also like trying to drag in that crowd of like people who are going to want to fall in love with him all over again. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he can carry something by himself. Right? Yeah. So that's the test. We'll see. He's the baby driver. Mm-hmm. All right. So my first one, I don't think this is going to surprise anyone. I loved Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So I am looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Now, there are a couple things. First of all, one of the screenwriters, the woman, as it turns out, who was involved in the first one is not involved in the second one. So I'm a little, the fact that they've shaken up the the writing team is a little bit problematic. But there is always, to me, that like Chris Pratt, like fundamental. I really was just watching it to watch him crack wise anyway. Mm-hmm. So when they put it in the trailer, let's hear a little bit. Is that a rifle? You don't know what a rifle looks like? It's just swords were your thing and guns were mine. But I guess we we're both doing guns now. I just didn't know that. That still sounds like him. That uh-huh. still sounds yeah. like Guardians. I'm not worried in the same way that you're worried about Wonder Woman, but I am also worried that it might not be good, mm-hmm. that it, it might be terrible. But terrible with a lot of like Chris Pratt cracking wise is not as terrible as most things. Right. I wanted to have a looseness to it. I was reading about how they had spent 
countless hours and time trying to get authentic Sony Walkman. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I Someone's like, got to do it. Yeah. On like, that big a budget, <laughs> I mean, that's also, just a line count, item. Also, countless time, just go to eBay. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm not sure I understand. Keep your eye on the ball. Oh, stop. You guys would all be the ones reading those think pieces that were like, the authenticity is already in question because <laughs> the Sony Walkmans are not from the right here. What, I would what Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy 2 gets wrong about the Sony Walkman? It yeah. would be a real piece. Yeah. It would be a real piece. I would not read it. Uh, so that's the first. That's the first one. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Not a surprise, I don't think. The other one is a movie that was not much on my radar until I saw the trailer before Fate of the Furious. And that's called Atomic Blonde. Yeah. And, uh, it has Charlize Theron as, uh, who's also in Fate of the Furious. But in this one, she's, gosh, I don't even know how to describe this wackadoo trailer. But uh, I brought a little bit of this one, too. I chose this life. And someday, it's going to get me killed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just Charlize Theron as, like, I don't know if she's, I'm not even sure what she, she's an assassin, she's a spy, she's, a, she's fighting people, Who she's cares? very glamorous, she's, she's making out with people in this trailer. It all looks very sexy and fighty, and it's possible that it's going to be super ultra-violent trash. It's just hard to tell what the what kind of action movie it is. Had great buzz coming out of South by Southwest. So I was much, in line so to buzz. see it at South by Southwest. I waited 45 minutes to see it, wow. but I didn't get in the theater because people had been waiting an hour for it. So. Yeah, it's it's. I am really, really excited to see it. I like her a lot. I like a, a female-led genuine action movie where they're doing a lot of fighting. The trailer reminded me a little bit of Haywire, oh, yeah. which is the Steven Soderbergh movie that starred Gina Carano, who is an MMA fighter. And she just kicks a lot of butt in that movie. Yep. And I love the fact that it's hand that so much of it is hand fighting. I love just a good beating. That's not I don't mean it that way. But, but like seeing women do hand fighting to me is much more interesting and and complex as a cinematic thing than seeing them engage in shootouts. I, I'm really excited to see it. I really like Charlize Theron. I think she's so versatile in what she can do. She's done kind of. She's done so many different kinds of things already at this point in her career. I certainly look forward to her having a better action movie experience than in Fate of the Furious, where as much as I enjoyed it, she did not get to do very much and she did not get to do very much action. But I'm looking forward to that. I think it's an interesting idea in a bunch of different ways. And if you watch the trailer, like it's one of those where it wasn't much on my radar. And then I saw the trailer and I thought. I'll go to that. And I have been eager to see Charlize Theron try her hand at doing this kind of action film again ever since Eon Flux, which was based on the liquid television MTV kind of night Mm -hmm. action cartoon. I don't know how else it would be described that looked like it had so much promise. And then in live action execution, it didn't work. So uh, obviously, since Angelina Jolie, there hasn't been a big star like this doing this kind of um, role successfully. So I really want this to work. Yeah. And before we go, uh, we do want to put one asterisk on this discussion, which is that a lot of you probably would expect to hear from one of us about The Big Sick, which is the romantic comedy, or all of us, (laughs) that was written by 
our pal Kumail Nanjiani and uh, his wife Emily V. Gordon, and Kumail's in it, and Zoe Kazan is in it. Stephen has seen it. We've talked about it before, but because Kumail is kind of our pal, he's been on the show. You can't ask it to go up against movies made by people that we don't have their phone numbers. <laughs> so so that's why we didn't uh, find it in there. But uh, those are the movies that we are looking forward to. You can come and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. Tell us which ones you are looking forward to. And after the break, we are going to turn our attention to the merciless world of box office. We're going to talk about what we think will and will not make money. So come right back. Support for Pop Culture Happy Hour and the following message come from ZipRecruiter. When you own a business, if you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. Thanks to ZipRecruiter, you can post to 100 plus job sites with one single click and have the highest chance of finding that perfect candidate. Plus, you can instantly be matched to candidates from over 6 million resumes. Businesses of all sizes have used ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash happy hour. NPR is working with the Knight Foundation to better understand how listeners like you spend time with Pop Culture Happy Hour and other podcasts. Please help us out by completing a short anonymous survey at npr.podcastingsurvey.com. It takes less than 10 minutes, and you do all of us at Pop Culture Happy Hour a huge favor by filling it out. That's npr.podcastingsurvey, all one word, dot com. Thank you. Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. Now it is time for our box office predictions. On the upside, we are looking in this round for everyone's predictions for the summer movie that will make the most money. Stephen Thompson, as our resident specialist in being flush with cash at all times from the explosions (laughs) you create, why don't you kick us off? So a little process thing, uh, when we were planning for this segment, we did it as a draft system. I happened to get first pick, and uh, so I have all the summer movies at my disposal, so I have to be right. Gotta get the first pick right. The card I just handed to the commissioner, Jessica Reedy, uh, reads Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 out May 5th, because when the Cleveland Cavaliers had the first pick in the NBA draft, they did not choose someone other than LeBron James, just because it would have been more interesting. I do think it's going to be good. I do think it being good will help. But I also am looking at the layout of the calendar of summer movies. And if you Mm -hmm. look at May, Mm. other than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, it is pretty weak. Uh, You've got uh, May 12th, your big competition is King Arthur. On May 19th, your big competition is Alien Covenant. And on May 26th, your big competition is the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Mm -hmm. which to me feels like a creaky franchise. I think you have this opportunity for this huge juggernaut to just steamroll through the month of May. Mm -hmm. This is a it's a big old it's right down the middle. Yeah. Okay. so Stephen's pick is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. As he says, not adventurous, but probably right. Glenn Weldon, what is your pick for makes the most money? Well, it was Guardians of the Galaxy, but Mm -hmm. I didn't get first pick because of this draft system thing, which I do not understand and I still don't. (laughs) But um, uh, I picked Transformers The Last Night. Both these franchises went up against each other in 2014, right? It was Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Transformers Age of Extinction, a title which makes a promise that it did not keep. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy was the number three movie below uh, American Sniper, which I think was kind of an outlier, and Catching Fire, which was the end of a big franchise. 
And Transformers Age of Extinction was number seven. So why do I think it even has a chance? Because Guardians of the Galaxy made worldwide $773 million. Transformers mm. Age of Extinction made $1.1 billion. Yeah. So I think if we're looking at worldwide, and I think we should, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, I mean, that th- this is a loud, dumb, grubby, over overdesigned just slock fest. But I think it's the second one starring Mark Wahlberg as Cade Yeager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a name just like the other one that beats you up and steals your lunch money, Cade right. Yeager. Uh-huh. Um, and it's an exploration of the mythology behind the Transformers. How did Optimus Prime become Optimus Prime? I won't see this thing, but millions of people will, and they will take their money. So I think I think it's got a good shot. All right. Uh, so Stephen has picked, Glenn has picked... I am going to pick next because, you know, draft system. Mm. So my pick is Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, And I I will give you a hint of why I think it will be Spider-Man Homecoming. So to become an Avenger, are there like trials or an interview? Do me a favor. Can't you just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? So I have no idea how hard the movie leans on the presence of uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. I have no idea how heavily it leans on the idea of this as really an Avengers movie, which a bunch of people commented on after they saw the trailer. But I do think that there's a lot of potential for this to be the next kind of offshoot of the Avengers to become its own highly successful film series, franchise, whatever, for a couple of reasons. One of which is I do think that they did some good writing for him in Civil War. Mm -hmm. And I think that he was able to carry it off. The actor is Tom Holland, who when I saw him in The Impossible, which is the tsunami film that he was in with Naomi Watts and some other people, and he was really a, a kid at that time, I said, This movie is not amazing, but that kid is going to be amazing. He's a really good actor, and he's very charismatic in a kind of nerdball way. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of space in the world for people who are charismatic in a nerdball way to make money. So I think it might potentially do really well. It's hard to tell from the trailer how well the wisecracking aspect is going to work for him and them. But I think it might still make a huge amount of money. Am I wrong, Glenn Weldon? No, I think I think you've got a good shot at it. Uh, I don't think Tony Stark is in the film much more than we've seen in the trailers. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling. But uh, yeah, I do think uh, the kid is charming as hell. So it's uh, funny. It's I sort of the it. same reasons we had talked about Wonder Woman, which is that you have this character. Civil War was fairly right. dark, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this was a character that brought light that to that yeah. particular film. Yep. And then, because I'm not down for every Spider-Man reboot that comes along, right. I think this story has been told, and I'm way <laughs> over it. I don't think yeah. it's told in fresh ways. But I think that the the writing for him has been more along the lines in terms of that universe of like Ant Man, mm-hmm. like like funny, like right. we mm-hmm. know this is going to be cool, like bring the kids and not you know the fate of the world. Yeah. While in your hands is not like quite right. so dour. And I don't think they're doing the origin story I, that's again. What I, I was oh my just God, about to say, I, I suspect if they're smart, they're going to take it as red because yeah. we we know it. I mean, yeah. I was going to say like it. we have not gotten a, a Spider Man reboot in what like six years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I I don't think. That I don't think they're doing the origin story because of where I think this movie comes in relative to Civil War, mm-hmm. where he was already established as essentially who he is. So, uh, so that is my pick, Audie Cornish. What is your pick? Make the most money. I think the Mummy, which is the Tom Cruise adventure slash horror film, mm-hmm. could be something that makes money. Basically, I think that 
people like seeing Tom Cruise doing stunt-like stuff. That's kind of my lesson and takeaway from Mission Impossible. And people also kind of like him doing other kinds of movies, like Edge of Tomorrow, which I think had Emily Blunt in it, which it was did. like a time-traveling sci-fi movie. Movie. movie that was actually good. pretty good. So even though I'm not going to bed at night, like, you know, praying for Tom Cruise's career, I think that he manages <laughs> it really well. And that You're he, not? He's, <laughs> he's taking a chance. This is a really big bet. And I think it's interesting that there's sort of billing it the trailer makes it look almost more like a horror kind of movie than an action Mm -hmm. superhero movie Um, I wish I could pretend to understand the plot I think in good blockbuster style it seems completely a train wreck of ideas of just like there's a mummy that some people archaeologists have taken and then it gets cut loose somehow in the world and some spirit is trying to overtake the world. Yeah. I mean, honestly, does it even matter? Like, no. basically, it's yeah. a lot of special effects and it's a lot of him running around and being super sort of powerful. Yeah, and I don't know how it fits into the Brendan Fraser mum- It does not look like it does at it all. Does at I'm all. not even sure it's totally remotely different. related. Yeah, which was odd to me using yeah. the same name. Yeah. So that's why I have it on the big bet. I feel like it could be something yeah. that just like everyone ignores and hopes goes away without comment. Yeah. Or it could be something that people leave and they're like, actually, that was awesome. And then they tell their friends and maybe it turns into something. Yeah. I mean, they made a lot of money on the Brendan Fraser mummy verse. Mm-hmm. So we shall see how it goes. Yeah, we'll come back to this topic soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very soon. This is where it's all going to go wrong. Financial disaster, heads will roll, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to start this one off myself because I would never allow anyone else to have to be the carrier of of the boondoggle baton mm-hmm. other than myself. So boondoggles, it means there has to be huge amounts of money spent as well. Yeah, it can't I mean, just I think, be a movie that's like little and dies anyway. I think that's much more interesting. I think okay. we have taken boondoggles to mean the more money invested, uh, the better for, <laughs> for boondoggle status, which is why uh, my boondoggle pick is, uh, oh, what is it here? Oh, it's the mummy. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, here's why I picked... The Mummy for Boondoggle. Well, I have two reasons. The first reason is it does reject the Brendan Fraser Mummy verse, and the people who want to see a Mummy movie, I think, already like the Mummy movies that exist, and I don't know that they're ready to embrace a new Mummy fighting man. <laughs> now, the question is: Is Tom Cruise the rebooted Spider-Man of this year? Who knows, right? So. We must assume that he must earn a fresh new audience because I don't think he'll get the pre-existing mummy people. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that it's going to do well for that reason. But I got another reason. And Glenn Glenn helped out with this one, too. And that is... It just seems like an inordinately silly movie. Yeah. And that was brought home when... uh, Well, Jessica, we have some tape. You are alive. Because you were chosen. Chosen? By what? Evil. (laughs) I love that you baited me into saying that this would make money, and then you were like, surprise, roll the tape. (laughs) I think that that sound is bad enough. But there's another piece of tape that came out on the internet. Here, let's hear that part. (laughs) No! I 
so so here's the thing. Here's what I feel we have to say. I cannot vouch for the authenticity of this, but allegedly what this is is Tom Cruise and and some other people I think in some cases grunting and moaning and and running around without the benefit of sound effects. Yeah, it's the trailer without uh, music or sound effects. Yeah. So whether it's real or not, it's out there. And I think it has contributed to the idea that the movie is silly, which when it's Tom Cruise fighting a mummy is already a thing that you're up against. Yeah. The other thing is, yes, this movie movie's expensive. Like uh, I've, I've seen $230 million budget batted around. But so much is resting on it because Mm -hmm. this is meant to launch a spate of universal monster films. This is supposed to launch a new Dracula, new Frankenstein, new Wolfman. Is it really? Yes, a new Creature from the Black Lagoon. So, you know, 2027, we're going to get Monster Squad the movie. That'll be be a thing. And we have seen what happens when uh, Tom Cruise is in a really good movie that nobody wants to see, like uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, That has a bad title, but that's the only thing wrong with that movie. Made $100 million. It's not that nobody went, but But it underperformed. It underperformed, Uh, for sure. And uh, so, yeah, I I don't think he's the draw that the studio at least thinks he is. (laughs) That that Brendan Fraser is. Well, no, No, but the thing, the interesting thing about what Adi said, Adi's absolutely right. The Mission Impossible movies that he is in have continued to be huge. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing we've learned about a number of actors is that sometimes fan loyalty is franchise specific. People love watching Tom Cruise in a Mission Impossible movie, but they don't care about him in anything else. There was a time when Robert Downey Jr. was, you know, making outrageous amounts of money for studios because he was in the Avengers movies and also the Sherlock Holmes movies. Mm -hmm. But then he goes out and does something else. The Judge. The The Judge, judge. for example, which was his big, like, Oscar swing that year that he did with Robert Duvall. And Boy, did nobody care. And and granted, that's a bigger difference than Mission Impossible to the Mummy. But I do think sometimes it's not so much loyalty to an actor as it is loyalty to an actor in a franchise. So I will be very curious to see how this goes. Audi is voting for big success. And I'm voting against. But I will say this is also one where it's very important what we talked about before that I have very limited ability to understand what's going to do well internationally. I would not be at all surprised if this movie made like $100 million domestically, which would be very little for it, and then, you know, $1.3 billion (laughs) overseas, which is still money. It's all the same money. They don't care at all. Um, So, Glenn, what is your boondoggle pick? Well, speaking of international, I think this is going to be the summer of Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. It's all, it's on everybody's lips. It falls trippingly (laughs) off the tongue. I'm sitting here in a t-shirt, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. You are not. Everybody has keychains. It's it's a a whole thing. Everybody's got uh, Snuggies. I've literally never heard of those. Okay. Nor has most of the planet. Okay. Um, I hadn't it, until I saw the trailer the in, other day. In France, they have. We should probably call it uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets <laughs> because it is... Uh, <laughs> uh-huh, it we is, probably uh, should not. Based on a series <laughs> of French comics by uh, Pierre Cristal and Jean-Claude Mézières, directed by Luc Besson. All right, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, who did, of course, the professional and, uh, comment dit uh, Element 5, the fifth element. Um <laughs> <laughs> it is big. It is bold. It is Wachowski-like in its yes. in its scope, and, it and is, we know how well yeah. <laughs> that kind it's, of film has been this doing. Has Jupiter, this has Jupiter ascending. It's got yeah. it's all got over it. directly. It's got Fifth Element DNA all over yes. it. There are some shots which are right from the yeah. Fifth Element, which uh, you know did relatively well and is a beloved movie by by some people. I kind of dig it. It's got uh, Dane DeHaan, <laughs> the star, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, who's good in Chronicle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cara 
de la Vigne, uh, yeah, uh-huh. Clive and Rihanna, sure, John Goodman and Ethan Hawke as Jolly the Pimp. Uh, <laughs> It Boy, should do Ethan okay. Hawke is doing some stuff these yeah. days. Go ahead. It's it's a kind of movie that somebody says, let's get to work in. And <laughs> it's just, I think it's could, it could theoretically do well because it is a brand new story that, I mean, even hardcore comics people in the U.S. do not know this property, right? The Fifth Element made $63 million in the U.S., but it made $263 million mm-hmm. worldwide. So this this is going to complicate things as well. I mean, in France, it's, it, it is a very known and very beloved property, mm-hmm. but it looks about to poop crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm happy that we have now had French Glenn yeah. to join German Glenn <laughs> on our list of, of great uh, voices. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Audie Cornish, what is your pick for uh, Boondoggle? For Boondoggle, I <laughs> I had had The Mummy on my, like, either or yeah. list. Right. Sure I don't you feel like right. I so your boondoggle is Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> Volume 2. <laughs> no, um, right. and then, I mean, maybe, like, uh, two things. Maybe, like, Baywatch, mm-hmm. which it's like it has The Rock, so it should be amazing, but it has Zac Efron, so what? <laughs> yeah. And then I don't understand Baywatch as, like, how beloved a property it is. Mm-hmm. I understand it on a kitsch level. I understand right. a nostalgia for it. Right. But I'm not quite sure it's going to be as big as maybe people would assume. Well, nobody was clamoring for 21 Jump Street, the movie, and that did pretty well. Yeah. That's this true. This does not look as funny. Chips, that, however, did not. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, I mean, to your point, though, just when you guys were talking about the mummy and the and the blue screen, green screen, I just thought, like, well, they're literally every summer blockbuster with the amount of computer-generated mm-hmm. graphics. If you saw loose footage, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, you would be embarrassed for yourself and everyone oh, involved. Of like, of that's course. acting. Of course. Um, the other one that I wish would be would be, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, oh, which I just feel real. like has made less and less money each time. Mm-hmm. The wind is out of the sails, uh, so to speak. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm kind of tired of them. And I feel like it's an amusement park ride, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. is masquerading as a movie. Yeah. And I just don't hear people talking about it the same way. So even though that maybe doesn't count as a boondoggle, because I don't know if they're spending as much money on them as they used to. But they're expected to make a lot of money. They're always expected to make a ton of money. And I feel like the last two times out, they made obviously respectable money for a blockbuster, but nothing that you you would write home about, Hmm. nothing that lasted the whole summer. And I wouldn't lose sight of the fact that Johnny Depp was the star of last year's Boondoggle, and one that we all missed, Alice Through the Looking Glass, Mm -hmm. was a catastrophe, in part because Johnny Depp, uh, for various reasons, was not as beloved Mm -hmm. as he has been in the past. Yeah, he's taken a hit in the tabloids Mm -hmm. over his divorce and various Mm -hmm. other things, and I just... Meh, yeah, I watched yeah. the trailer and I was like, why? Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize they were doing another one. But I, <laughs> I think that's a reasonable choice. I also yeah, do want to say, when Audie Cornish says, the wind's out of the sails, <laughs> you know what that is right there? That's that's years of having 15 seconds to write a host intro. <laughs> 15, that's that's years of Audie having them just, just saying to her, just come up, up with something. Summing it up. Come up with a way to open this segment. All right, thank you very much, Audie Cornish. Stephen Thompson. Boondoggle master. It pains me so much that I got the fourth draft pick. Yeah. I was praying that somehow Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets would fall to me at number four, becoming the steal of the draft. Uh, Because, I I mean, we didn't say this. It is the most expensive film ever made in France. It's $220 million. $220 million. That's a lot. I am so certain 
that that's the right choice. Mm-hmm. That it pains me to have but... to. That it pains me to have to slip uh, down to number two. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. <gasps> yes. This is another yes, one. What 100%. in the heck is this thing? Tell okay. me about it. Prose. It is uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. Certainly mm-hmm. has a following. A stars uh, Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy. It's got oh, uh, yeah. it's got uh, Jude Law, uh, young yeah. poping it up yeah. as the as, up. As, a, as a as a heavy. And when we're talking about our boondoggles, this only only I'm putting scare quotes around only only cost about a hundred million dollars. In part because it looks so cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I agree. Uh, it, I did it, see this trailer. When you look at your list of huge flops, especially in recent years, you see a lot of swords and sandals movies. Yeah, that's uh, true. That tend to cost a lot and for which no one was clamoring. Mm-hmm. And the reason it was runner-up to Valerian and the, and the City of a Thousand Planets is that it is coming out one week after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to pick Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 as my runaway box office winner for the summer... You look at what comes out the week after that, and you, you pray for it. Because <laughs> that's in trouble. Narrative consistency. Yeah. I, narrative I, consistency. I cannot wait until that King Arthur movie comes out, and I can watch it on a couch on a Sunday afternoon. That's sure. what that movie is made for. All right. So find us on Facebook again at facebook.com slash PCHH. Tweet us at PCHH. Tell us what you think is going to make the most money, what you think is going to lose the most money. Tell us your boondoggles and hits and where we have gone wrong or gotten it right. When we come back after the break, it's going to be time for our favorite segment of this week and every week, What is Making Us Happy This Week? So come right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the new Netflix original documentary series from Rashida Jones, Jill Bauer, and Rana Gratis. Hot Girls Wanted, Turned On. The series explores the intersection of sex and technology in a digital age with six true stories inside a world that is faking it. A 2017 Sundance Film Festival official selection. Hot Girls Wanted, Turned On. Now streaming only on Netflix. Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. It is time for our favorite segment, What is Making Us Happy This Week. Stephen Thompson, what is making you happy this week, buddy? Uh, An absolutely wonderful Instagram feed by a Brazilian artist named Butcher Billy, who has done a series called Stephen King's Stranger Love Songs. What they are is they are pieces of art stylized as uh, horror book covers, Mm -hmm. like paperback covers of like Stephen King novels that are taking their titles and their subtitles from the lyrics of pop songs of the late 70s and early 80s. Yes. First of all, he in- innately understands, as as all right-thinking people do, that The Police's Every Breath You Take is one of the creepiest songs mm-hmm. ever written, and stylizes it as a paperback that you would see like on a, on a on someone's bookshelf in 1979. Right. But he does it with like Chris DeBerg's The Lady in Red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does it with uh, Every Time You Go Away by Paul Young. It is a wonderfully inventive and I think beautifully rendered idea, and I like the the fact that it is so much more versatile than even he carries it out. So I just love this series. Again, it's called Stephen King's Stranger Love Songs. You can find it on Instagram by following at The Butcher Billy. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. Glenn Weldon, what is making you happy this week? Imagine Wanting Only This is a new, I guess we have to call it a graphic memoir. It's nonfiction comics. It's by Kristen Radke, R-A-D-T-K-E. And uh, I, I like this book. That title is, I think, the best title for a work that I'm going to come across in a long time. Not because just the words, imagine wanting only this, are particularly good or bad, objectively. But in terms of matching the tone of the book, boy, 
spot on because in the phrase, imagine wanting only this, you get something kind of wistful, evocative, melancholic, but there's a little whiff of condescension, right? A little <laughs> art school co- condescension, yeah. a little preciousness yeah. there. That is this book. Uh-huh. Uh, it's about a young woman who uh, becomes, because of an illness in her family, becomes obsessed with ruined architecture and abandoned places. And she keeps traveling around the world, drawing them, basically, and and thinking about them and ruminating on them uh, while she has relationships and while other relationships break up and others start. She becomes obsessed with the Peshtigo Fire in uh, in 1871 in, in Wisconsin. It is very assured. It's gorgeously done. It's meticulous. And it concludes with a series of just heart-stoppingly beautiful images. But there is, she is an art school girl. And there's a a little bit of that that kind of creeps into it. And that becomes part of the whole experience. So that is called Imagine Wanting Only This by Kristen Radke. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Audie Cornish, what is making you happy this week? Um, I caught up on a show that is actually in season two, uh, which is Greenleaf, which is a kind of soapy type night drama that is on Oprah's network. And I think when I first heard about this, uh, it sounded kind of Tyler Perry-ish and maybe not for me. It's set around a family that is the kind of pastoral leadership of a mega church in the South. The kind of prodigal daughter comes home and she helps uncover corruption in the church. And it didn't turn out to be that. It actually, I I sort of binge watched season one. It turned out to be like a really compelling story about almost like it actually kind of felt like billions, if anyone's ever watched that on Showtime, which is about uh, federal prosecutions of like some financial white collar criminals. With Greenleaf, what was remarkable about it is it seemed like a show that was written by people who are very, very familiar with faith communities and being religious, but also were familiar enough to feel comfortable pointing out the flaws, to feel comfortable pointing out the times when churches fall down um, on their community, whether it's with sexual abuse or uh, other kinds of issues. And And it was just, um, I've never seen religion treated this way on television and merged with the kind of soap format. Oprah's really great in it. People forget she can act. They'll be reminded with HBO's The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Um, But if you can, give Greenleaf a shot. People who think they don't like soaps, don't care about religion or any of that stuff, this is actually the show to, to give a try. Thank you very much. I have heard the same thing from some of my critic friends, and I have not had a chance to check it out yet. So I will check it out. I had a lot of competition this week for what is making me happy, a lot of happy things, but I narrowed it down to uh, a podcast that I know has also been making Glenn happy mm-hmm. that is called Nancy. Yeah. And Stephen and I, yep. so that the hosts of Nancy are Tobin Lowe and Kathy Too. Stephen and I saw them present at a WMYC podcast accelerator, like a competition uh, for uh, NYC to pick a podcast to kind of feed and and develop. At the time, they were calling their podcast Gadio because it is a, a podcast about and surrounding LGBT experiences. It is hard for me to explain what makes it so different to me from a lot of podcasts that are trying to do a similar kind of storytelling, conversational, but still storytelling kind of thing. But It is so wonderful. The first episode includes both of the hosts talking to their parents about their coming out experiences, which are very different and complex in really different ways because Tobin Lowe's father is a doctor and winds up talking about what his associations were with gay men at the time that Tobin came out to him. 
and Kathy Tu's mother, they had a whole series of conversations. She kept kind of having to come out over and over. Tell me about I know you love this too, Glenn. I want to hear what you think about it. Well, I mean, you say what makes it new or, or innovative. I don't think it particularly is. I think it's just done incredibly well. Yeah. And the interplay between the hosts uh, is a selling point. The fact that they also occasionally, you know, have interplay between the hosts and the person that is that is telling the story. Mm-hmm. And that, there's one where a, a guy talks about this poem that oh, he wrote. God. Everybody in the room is cringing at this memory of this, of this guy putting himself out there to this other person. And just that is such a great segment about this this poem. Uh, I, I, you just want to be in the room with them. That's the secret of podcasting, yeah. I think. Yeah. When they told that story about the poem, you go through so many phases where it's like, oh, no, oh, no. And you think <laughs> it's just cringy. And then it develops into this entirely other thing. Yep. It's so thoughtful. Uh, it's so touching so much of the time, but also really funny. And it feels really genuine. It's yep. called Nancy. And that is what is making me happy this week. That brings us to the end of our show. You can follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow me at NPRMonkeyC. You can follow Stephen at I Dislike Stephen. You can follow Glenn at GH Weldon and Audie at NPR Audie. You can follow our producer, Jessica Reedy, at Jessica underscore Reedy. And our producer, Emeritus and music director, Mike Katzif at Mike Katzif, K-A-T-Z-I-F. Mike's band, Hello Come In, provides our in and out music that you are uh, not at all considering a boondoggle right now. So thanks to all of you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening, and we will see you right back here next week.